Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from the Smart Material Collective, made by nerds, funded by the listeners. A lot of so obviously I wasn't raised here, yeah. but that's what I've noticed. I saw I saw this thing on Twitter the other day where um, someone said, "I think his niece had slapped her mom," which is another discussion. You know, I definitely <laughs> don't agree I, I agree with that. But Living you know, he dream. was saying that they were sending her back home. I can't remember what country, and he was filming her, and she was saying, "Going back home for three weeks," <laughs> and he was laughing. And the caption was, "She's going back for, actually for three years." And then it cuts to a scene of her, like her auntie is shouting at her and saying, you've been giving your mom hell. And, you know, people were having this conversation about, is it nice to like, not nice? No. Is it fair to threaten children with sending them back home, you know, for, for punishment? And well, I don't know, because, you know, I've not been raised here. So I'd, um, and not just that, because obviously that was not my I, I was always in Nigeria. So send me to where? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet, the only podcast that uses cutting-edge science to answer the questions that you actually have. Things like, why is the sky blue? What's up with trees? And why have I taken, like, four tablets of ibuprofen today? Please tell me why. Well, I've taken four probably because I have a sinus headache and, um, sinus (laughs) headache and, um... Everything is... Cramps. (laughs) And I made you walk up all the stairs to the <laughs> studio. It's okay. It's my exercise for the day. <laughs> I'm your host, Alex Lathbridge. I'm a PhD student in biochemistry and computational biology, a comedian, and someone who promised that he'd get something done but hasn't done it, so he's going to do it today. I'm not giving you any more information, but know that it's playing my mind, and I'm very, very terrified. Uh, but today I do have a wonderful guest. Guest, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. So I am Dr. Faraha Asani. Um, currently, I don't do anything because I am jobless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. I've been jobless for a couple of days <laughs> after finishing my first postdoc. Um, I could have told you a couple of days ago that I was a research associate at the University of Leicester working as part of a clinical trial. So let's just go with, I am a biochemist and I'm a freelance writer and a mental health advocate. (laughs) So uh, how is being unemployed? It's scary. (laughs) What's scary about it? 
Well, it's, this is a safe space. We've, okay, we've both got we've got, both got very nice three C hair. I'm actually more like four A slash four B, but I'm gonna say three C to make this a comfortable environment for her. Yeah. <laughs> oh you my know. gosh. Look, we're starting with this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going natural right now. Yeah. Okay, I've just I've just all right. So what I've started to do uh-huh. is put like a shit ton of like. I'm gonna say sometimes black soap. Like, okay, okay. And then not that's on my body, and then Cantu cream. I've got back into sheer moisture yeah. and Cantu cream. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That leave-in condition. Cantu is very nice. I think the Cantu coconut curling yeah. cream is that the one? Yeah. No, no. I have the leave-in. The leave-in. Okay. I, See, okay. that's nice, right? And what I like to do is I put in a bit more. Than yes. I normally do. All West Africans yeah. do. Yes. Just a little bit more, and then in your house, it like it takes some time for the cream to sink in, so yes. the hair is slightly white. Mm-hmm. And I look in the mirror, I'm like. Is this what I'm going to look like when I'm 60? Damn. <laughs> you do that? Oh, my gosh. But have you noticed that when you do it, the next day when the cream dries up, then it starts flaking? <laughs> yeah. So, but oh, well, <laughs> we still do it week after week. So hey, no, look, I'm going to grow this out. Yeah. And then people are going to be like, oh, my God, is that you? Is that? Wow. Your hair. It's so. Is that an African thing yeah. to have hair like that? I, it's so soft. It's so. Can I touch? <laughs> yo, someone tried to touch my hair in KFC once. Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst place to have my. I don't want greasy chicken fingers in my hair. And like, she did it with absolute. Of course, she was white. Entitled. She, yeah. She, yeah. she did it with no like, hesitance. No, com- none at all. Mm. Literally saw me. Was like, hey. And I, my girlfriend mm-hmm. was like, do you know her? Mm. And I was like, I know no one. You know this. Yeah. Okay. I stay yeah. at home all day editing podcasts. So, and uh, yeah. That's when I knew my girlfriend was the one for me. Yeah. Like ride or die. Yeah. Because she, she, she'd fuck she's, a bitch up. She, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. spoke up. Let me tell you what happened to me a couple of months ago, actually. Someone popped into my office. So it was um, my friend and I that were in the office. <laughs> Why do I feel Someone like this? Po- you know what, what what's coming? I feel like this is a Sally in HR movie. Oh, my goodness. Shout out to Kelechi and Sally in HR. So... She popped into our office. I don't know this woman came in to introduce herself to us. First thing she says is, oh, your hair. And as she's saying that, her hand is reaching out <laughs> to to grab my curls and squish them up in her in her fingers. Hey. Um, I froze. And I think this is something that really upsets me till today because I froze and I just looked at the floor. Hmm. I didn't know what to do. And my friend was embarrassed as well. Um, and then she said this woman introducing herself said some other things which I can't even remember and then reached out for another grab of my hair and then walked out of the office um so yeah I think it's everyone has a story so um what you should do that's what I did um start Krav Maga classes <laughs> because one of the first things that you'll learn boxing Krav Maga whatever yeah is um how to like not dodge a punch but how to like tap a punch away and oh punches same thing you know people grabbing your hair yeah just a like tap. Yeah. yeah you try, yeah. try it now. Just, just tap the hand away. Like that. No, no, you've got to do it with more force. This is a white person grabbing your hair. There you go. You see? <laughs> see, that? that is a 3C slap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I was thinking I would do next time well, is if someone does that, I hope I'll have the guts to do mm-hmm. this, is just imitate them mm-hmm. and run. Oh, actually, the thought of running my fingers through a greasy scalp. I don't know. No, I don't no. know if I want to do it, but. No, no yeah. You know, the point yeah. is, I think just imitating everything that is done to me and getting the point across mm. in 3C mm-hmm. that, you know, it, well, if you're going to get got, basically. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. And for the people who are like, what's 3C? You keep saying 3C. Don't worry about it. And for the people who are like, you're only 3C, you're not 4A, B or C. Look, let, let us live life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We have melanin too. Okay. 
All right, we're good enough. We're good enough. All right, our hair identity crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's bounce back to you being unemployed. Yeah. What's that like? Um, it isn't great. I'm not going to lie because I have another um, confounding issue being oh. that my visa is running out in two weeks. Um, so I, I really don't know where my future is taking me. But hey, I believe in, you know, being diligent and, and praying for a miracle and putting my all into applications. So if you're listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, reach out to me hey give me a job you know <laughs> give me a job please um so yeah i'm just trying to keep busy basically oh, yeah, alex completely. i'm trying to keep busy and also i applied for my visa to go back to nigeria wait your visa to go back yeah because my father was congolese so i actually have a congolese passport and nigeria does not have um the permanent residence um allowance can i say except if you're married to a nigerian so you, we have a uh, we have a temporary residence that you renew annually, yeah, on an annual basis. So I've been out obviously for a while. So I had to apply for my Nigerian visa. I've done a couple of um, uh, I've marked for some teaching that I've been doing. I think I caught up on some projects that I was supposed to write. I went to church like a good Christian on Sunday. Um, <laughs> and here's not me. like you heathen. What this? Oh well, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I actually taught this morning and then I got on the train to come see you. You taught? Yeah. You t wow, honestly, that's really good because you got to remember like Hannah and Sahel, they weren't even like, they are literally a kilometer away. All right. That's, <laughs> not even that, a couple of hundred meters away. Sahel is, I could throw a stone and it would hit him sort of maybe. But you don't want to do that. Violence no, is never the answer. Of course, but yeah. especially not looking like this. <laughs> no way. No. Get the home yeah. office called on me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I like is that you're a Nigerian who isn't wanted by Nigeria. Who isn't? Yeah, because they're not letting you back. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that I will. I will get my my visa. I've never had issues getting my visa. Now here's again a, a topic for another day. Is we can sit down and try to deconstruct my identity. No, yeah, no, let's do it right now. You know now. what? <laughs> I would really love, let's I'm just putting this out there. I would, it would be nice to have a Nigerian passport though, which is something that- um, mm, I've never heard anyone say. <laughs> no, 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 don't even start this war. You don't want this war. <laughs> um, I think, you know, for my, for my, for the sake of my, my identity issues. You need a passport. I mean, I have my passport. I have my Congolese passport that my dad always wanted me to have that I've always had my whole life, you know, or most of my life. But it would be great to have that green passport just because I feel, you know, there's something nice about having having um, um, home, yeah. having home base. I was born in Nigeria. I, I, I know the hospital room in which I was born because that's the same hospital where my mother still works till today. The same hospital where my dad worked till he died. Um, and yeah, I left when I was eight, 17 for a gap year in South Africa. Um, and then came back to Nigeria for a couple more years, left again when I was 20. And since then have been moving around basically from South Africa here. So you came so. to this nonsense country. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. 
It's too cold here. But you know what? It gives a chance to showcase winter fashion and like layers. <laughs> I'm not the most stylish person, but winter. but you know it's nice. It's nice to look at people in the streets and nice to also tell myself that I can do small fashion myself now. Small, 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 small. <laughs> ah, small, small Givenchy. Yeah. <clears throat> small, small prime money, more like. But you know what? God is helping us. God is good all the time. <laughs> Fun fact. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this because I'm going to be writing about this shortly. Fun fact: my mother is actually a refugee by statelessness. Okay, so we have <laughs> when I talk about identity issues, um, uh, there there are many things that I can I can speak about, and this is my mom who herself has privileges, a lot of privileges, who is an established dental surgeon. Um, she's she's very fulfilled and happy in her career in Nigeria. Unfortunate, and, and she's very. I should say she's she's very okay for me to to share this information. She knows that I'm going to be writing about it shortly. But her situation is she was granted refugee status a couple of months ago. Her situation has really made me sit up and think about my own identity. So coming shortly, hopefully, when I finally get to writing that story. And where is she stateless from? I guess uh, the Republic of Georgia. That was part of the USSR. So. Um, her dad was Armenian. Her mom was Ukrainian, and obviously the country dissolved. She was in Nigeria when that happened. She was married to a Congolese man, got a Congolese passport, um, was on, was going to renew it, and there were there was a period in time when renewing our passports was really taking a long time, not just for us, for everyone globally. Um, and then unfortunately, my dad passed away, very unexpectedly. So that really slowed down and. Um, it was just getting to the point where the home office in Nigeria was like, uh, you know, Madame, you know, they and they really, really, really love and respect her, actually. So everyone was trying to figure out a way for her. She was trying to also get a Nigerian passport. And at the end of the day, we just decided, look, mommy, these are not the times to not have some form of identity. She was persona non grata. Mm. So uh, we made an appeal and there you go. She was granted refugee status. All right. Seeing as I've got you here and you understand, what is yeah. your worst time in a an embassy or a high commission or anything? There's only really one thing that, that I can think of. Mm. Okay. And I... It, it it was very infuriating to me because it was <clears throat> so I was sitting outside an embassy waiting a couple of years ago for my appointment and my stomach was like a tumble dryer so I had to walk up to the guard and say do you have a toilet that I can use yeah okay. so let me tell you something okay I feel as though this is going somewhere this is going somewhere um yeah, so basically I had a runny tummy. <laughs> so I was infuriated with my own body. Let me show you something. Oh, okay. I'm shuffling through my bag. Oh, yeah. So Because I will never, ever, ever be caught in that kind of situation again. Okay. Okay. What is it? What is this? Before you go toilet spray vanilla mint, what did, what did you do? Well, what did I do? I empowered myself. That's what I did. You empowered the toilet scent. That's what you did. But let me tell you something. Some of my colleagues ask me for this stuff. Okay. Because you never know. You never know who is lactose intolerant, okay? So this is uh, this is what's called poopery. It's yeah. called poopery. It's fantastic. Okay. It doesn't smell like you know that cheap stuff that you just. I mean, look at that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And listen, there is you know how it works. So the science behind it is fascinating. Uh huh. 
You spray it into the toilet and the oils coat the toilet water and trap any kind of odor. This is not me trying to be gross. This is me just telling you, hey, this is life. You're trying to get that poopery money. Just, 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 okay. There you go. So I'm the person that you come to whenever you need anything. Have it all in my bag. So that's your worst. That's the worst. <laughs> Like when you said it, that's the first thing that came to my mind. So it means that is the worst. So I think you are going to have to tell me something very, very important. What interesting stuff have you seen in the news this week? Okay, so um, there was a tweet from, I think it was RT, mm-hmm. um, RT.com. Is that Russia Today? I'm not sure. Could be. That's but it's Russia's. a verified Twitter account. Yeah. Oh, just because it's um, verified doesn't mean it's... You, you, <laughs> it's you know, I, th- I think some kind of... Um, yeah, that's RT. That's, like, that's validation. That's Russia Today. Okay. Okay. That's the one. So they have this tweet and it's still up. And it was tweeted on the 7th of February, exactly at 1600 hours. All right, and, no world service. <laughs> it says, university students in UK are being paid to be infected with dangerous tropical diseases for scientific research at institutions, including Oxford University and Imperial College London. And then they have an image that is attached <laughs> to the tweet and it says, there's a banner on top and it says, pick your infection. And then it lists five, typhoid, malaria, pneumococcal bacterial infection, respiratory syncytial virus, and meningococcal meningitis. And then there are prices. Um, so it's basically like a um, a restaurant menu that they've attached here, except it's for, you know, you, you pick your, yeah, you pick your infection. And well, I think- That's how much you get paid. That's how it. much you get paid apparently to be infected with dangerous tropical diseases. And I think- tweets like this and you know it's really funny underneath someone says so i've been having malaria for free in this country <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh, and someone says i'm in london in case you guys need a non-university student available for typhoid and malaria <laughs> okay 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 <clears throat> so before so, before we get on whether this is true or not yeah have you ever had typhoid or malaria i have a what, couple of times what, malaria both yeah. okay so i thought I had sometimes ma- together yeah i thought i had malaria when i was yeah. young i generally okay. thought i was dying turned out yeah. it was just um a bit of a flu okay but honestly i yeah thought i was dying yeah i the full works yeah it's not i mean it's it's obviously not a pleasant illness to oh. have um yeah it's it causes a lot of deaths there are medications that are available I took to, four to, to declare your four larium at once for like it meant to, it's meant to prevent it larium is meant to prevent yeah this I thought I was I, I was cursing Larry I was, uh, I was honestly <laughs> but you're fine now oh yeah of course I was okay. fine then but I didn't know that <laughs> but you know what's really dangerous about these kind of tweets is that I believe that it spreads misinformation because it's nearly they would have you thinking that people are just walking the streets of Oxford trying to get students you know at Oxford and Imperial to come in and get injected with these infections and there is no context here about how clinical trials work and okay and you're someone that like works in clinical trials and stuff i have worked and and just for one year but you know with my research there was a lot of training in my phd so first of all the whole um story of drug development can take anything from 10 to 15 years okay so this means that when you identify what we would call a drug candidate something that potentially could go into market as a drug 
um, you first of all have to get ethical permission okay, from an ethics committee that would say it's okay for you to test this drug candidate on blood cells. So basically like the kind of experiments that I was doing during my PhD. And then um, after that, there's still so many checkpoints along the way before you can go into a next phase of, of trialing on animals, which is another story for another day. And then before you even go into clinical trials, so testing things like the tolerance of the human system for the drugs. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going around looking for Oxford students to inject with, with malaria without the proper regulation in place. So for the past year, I have been working on a clinical trial sponsored by a pharmaceutical company that were testing a new drug for asthma. Mm -hmm. So this is um, a trial that recruited a number of people. So first of all, I should say a multi-center trial. What does um, that mean? That means a trial that was taking uh that was recruiting patients in different sites. So Leicester, Manchester and Oxford, and also I believe in the US. Um, and we had, I think it was four patients from Leicester. So just testing uh, a case controlled trial, which means that the drug was being um, tested in conjunction with a placebo. And um, it was also a blind trial, meaning that patients and nurses did not know whether the, it was the drug or the placebo that was being administered. So I basically did a lot of lab work, looking at certain cell markers, um, gathering a lot of data, and none of this is going to make sense till the trial is unblinded, which I think should be in a couple of weeks, Okay, hopefully. And so this is asthma, right? Asthma, yes. Okay, so what what are we going to learn from this thing? Um, okay, so if I take a step back, this drug that was being trialed has been found to be efficient in treating dermatitis and also in treating peanut allergies. So it's a broad acting, exactly broad acting um, treatment for allergies. And hopefully what we should learn is if it's efficient in treating severe eosinophilic asthma patients. Okay, what is that? Because right now I'm Googling what dermatitis is. Okay, so dermatitis is a skin condition um, that a lot of people have, uh, so basically, have you ever heard of eczema? Eczema. Yeah. Okay. Let's pronounce oh. it your way. Eczema. <laughs> eczema. <laughs> Sorry. Eczema. Let's say it that way. Sorry. I think I say it the. I, I probably say it's the. Fine. It's fine. It's okay. <clears throat> so let's say ex exactly. So for 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 those uh, for the dermatologists, uh, apologies, please. E eczema. Eczema. Yes. Um. So people that have eczema. Um could use a drug and it would give them some relief and hopefully relieve some of their symptoms. Uh, next was peanut allergy as well. I was going to say, these are two very disparate. Very, very, yes, but then the thing is that the pathway of um, these allergic reactions intersects at different points. Oh, shit, really? So the drug targets one of the... The drug targets an upstream interleukin I have no idea what that okay. is. So, okay, so basically let's think about it like this, right? So if you have a triangle, mm -hmm. right? 
um, if you think about a triangle that's sta- stacked on top of a square, mm-hmm. right? Let's say one edge of the square is dermatitis and the other edge is asthma. So if you then go the, uh, to the two vertical lines leading to the bottom of the triangle, mm-hmm. right? One of the points of the triangle is the interleukin that is um, responsible for causing dermatitis, right? Mm-hmm. And then if we go to the other end of the triangle, you have the interleukin that is responsible for causing um, asthma, right? Mm-hmm. So that's two different points, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so we have two different drugs that are targeting these two different points, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you go to the top of the triangle where those points intersect, mm-hmm. the drug that we were working on in the trial targets that top point. Does that make sense? So you've got, was it dermatitis? Yes. And then you've got like peanut allergy. And then yes. if you go up, there yes. are like two things that... Can, two different things, things that, that are can, causing them. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. And so you already had drugs that could target like yes, those two things. But they weren't 100... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. percent efficient so then you're like oh my god we can go back and there's one upstream in the exactly. pathway there that you can go. like target both of them yes oh yeah and then you got a drug for that and you're trying yes that. and that point happens to be interleukin 33 so mm. the drug that we were working on is an anti-interleukin 33 and it's fine i'm not giving away any confidential information all of this is available online already that makes complete sense exactly well there you go i'm a teacher I also happen to be a fellow at the Higher Education Academy. So if you have any job opportunities for me, holla. Okay, what I like about this, we're going to keep going. You couldn't put in as many higher. That's fine. Okay, so that's what you were doing. That's like, what I was doing, yeah. Tell me about your PhD. So yeah, sorry. So, so um, my PhD was studying subtle defects in immunocompromised individuals. So immunocompromised individuals, people that have HIV and people that have blood cancers. Um, So defects in their B cells, specifically subsets of their B cells that could 
predispose them to pneumococcal disease. B cells are the cells that um, produce antibodies. Like white blood cells? They are white blood cells, yeah. yes. yes. Your boy yes. knows things. One of the <laughs> white blood cell subsets, yeah. yes. So I was looking at B cell subsets in... Um, I would say majorly in HIV patients because I didn't get that many patients from the myeloma clinic. Um, but is that the blood cancer? Clinic? Blood cancers, yes. See, myeloma is a really nice way of saying blood cancer. Yeah. And that is a proper dark name. It feels like a Nollywood film. It does feel like a Nollywood film, yeah. But actually, um, the first time that I heard that term was in a Nollywood film. Oh, shit. When the doctor said, she has cancer of the blood. <laughs> that was the first time that I heard it. This was when I was a child. I, I, I will never forget that. Because then my sisters and I were like, what does that mean? Um, so yeah, anyway, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't yes. get a lot of people from the no, blood cancer. No, I didn't. Okay. Because, so how it worked, I, I was the one that was recruiting my own patients during my PhD. How do you do that? Do you send so, an email around and be like, hey, oh, no, do you, you have blood cancer? <laughs> Hey, do you have No, HIV? you don't. The, everything that you use in the recruitment process has to have been approved, pre-approved by an ethics committee, mm -hmm. which means that you cannot just randomly create a poster. Uh, you can't and you slide cannot into randomly, DMs. No, 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 you can't. It's not anything about sliding into DMs. You, you can't also randomly approach someone without having been signed off mm. um, by uh, the NHS in some form, you know, to say that you are allowed and permitted on the NHS premises to do this kind of work. Um, so how, what would happen is that I uh, I was introduced to the doctors and to the nurses and um, every time that there was an HIV clinic, nurses would approach patients because they knew some of these patients had been coming for years. So they would be like, oh, this person is, you know, is, probably, is likely to say yes because they've been on many trials, before, um, they've been on, in many research uh, projects before. Um, and then the nurses would send them to me. I would speak to them, give them an information sheet, tell them a little bit about myself. Um, and obviously I had to have training to do all of this. And then if they would be happy to follow up with some phone calls, book them in to, to donate their blood and then take their blood up to the lab and, and continue working. So, okay. Yeah. So when you say continue working, mm -hmm. right, I'm going to do an aside here. Yeah. When you say that it had to be NHS approved, that's good because in my head, I imagined you walking you know, like street hawkers with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of, you've got the ball, right? But instead of peanuts or, you know, fan ice or yeah. whatever, you've got just, just come, just little leaflets come to the clinic and the, the bit, you know, the, the little napkin put in between. Yes. Your, that also flies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know no, why. No, no, no. I had to be, so, I, and I think this is something that a lot of people don't realize how much, uh, how many regulations govern research projects really so i had to receive training in what we call good clinical practice so gcp i had to receive training in obtaining informed consent from patients and then i had to receive a so-called honorary contract that was what's this a, air quotes so so the reason i say honorary contracts is because you don't receive a payment for being contracted um, by the NHS, but it's kind of a, a thing that says, well, so I did my PhD in the University of Sheffield that says that there is this collaboration between the University of Sheffield and Sheffield Teaching Hospitals. Therefore, this research student is permitted to work on the NHS site. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's there's all of, of, of these regulations that I had to go through and, and obviously the training and, and, you know, as God would have it, I'm a people person. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's true. 
but it's true so you know okay, look you're very affable <laughs> the affability is strong yeah. so okay so you've got the people yeah. with um like hiv or yeah. uh, compromised immune systems you've got mm-hmm. the people from the myeloma clinics mm-hmm. you know the blood cancer so mm-hmm. you've recruited them um yeah. now what so I was offered to be trained in phlebotomy, which is um, basically just sticking a needle into someone's in the crook of their. What do you call this part of the? I should really know this. I'm not a elbow. I'm not an anatomist, but you know the 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 place in above the crook of your arm, right? The That's el- what it's like, called. Like the the bit inside. Yeah, your yeah, elbow. yeah. So basically, obtaining um, getting blood from it, intravenously from that um, part of your arm, um, but but I just f- felt. blood itself doesn't scare me but the thought of sticking a needle into someone's arm really was very disturbing to me and I knew I would not be able to do it so um, I would be present obtain consent from the from patients be with them as they're being bled by the nurses Um, and then I would take the blood up to a cat 3 lab so that's a lab where um, all HIV work has to be done so basically it's a highly secure lab that not everyone can gain access to. So you would do work with um, HIV and I think meningococcal strains. And so basically all the work that we do in the lab with... What is meningococcal? What's that? Okay, so it's... um. Oh my goodness. Is that like meningitis and shit? Yes. Okay, cool. So basically, so you can't just do... Um, if you're working with HIV, you cannot just work in an open lab where other people are working. You know, say. so it's ev- again, you know, this is part of the regulations. So I would take the blood up to that lab. Um, also, you, I had to receive training to work in that lab, um, and then I would crank up the radio and listen to um, Clara Amfo. Fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> kept me company. You know, <laughs> as I was doing my my work. So what do you do with the blood, I guess? The yes, samples? What do you do blood. with them? Yeah. So um, I use a fluid known as FICOL or histopic. That is a very viscous fluid. I was going to say, like FICOL. And vis- it sounds like the stuff they spray on my face after a haircut. I'm trying to think what... It's really goopy, if I can... If I can describe it that way, okay. it's a clear fluid. You've got to explain it to me in terms of hair care products now, more natural. In terms hair of hair care, pro- oh, so do you know aloe vera gel? Yes. So if you add a, let's say you have a teaspoon of aloe vera gel and then um, a tablespoon of aloe vera gel and maybe a teaspoon of water. That's so what it's like. That's kind of what it's mm. like. So we have this really goopy fluid, right? Mm-hmm. We're putting it into a tube, mm-hmm. and then we're tilting it to the side mm. so that it's at a, it's slanted. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pouring this blood onto this slanted um, gel thing. Gel thing, okay. So then, when I put up the tube that and make it stand straight, you see a clear fluid at the bottom and red at the top. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I put that into a centrifuge. You know what a centrifuge is? Machine that spins. Spinny thing. Um, and after 35 minutes. I pick the tube out and then you see a layer of red blood cells right at the bottom. Mm. Um, You see a clear uh, layer on top of that of the liquid. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you see a really cloudy layer. Okay. And then on top of that, you see a very uh, 
thick layer of serum. Kind of, so it's four layers. What kind of blood trifle is this? Yes, you can think of it as a blood trifle, but what? it's really pretty. Why? I make all these jokes, right? And then the people that we have on, like, yeah, it's exactly like that. It's kind of like that. It does actually, actually, yeah, it does look like a trifle. Um, <laughs> it does look like a trifle. What I then do is I use a plastic pipette mm -hmm. and I dip that into my tube. And I basically take out the layer of cells, like the murky layer of cells, white blood cells and um, other random. Now my the person who trained me is probably going to be really embarrassed to say I've forgotten all of the <clears throat> all of the different types of cells that it make up matter. PBMCs. Okay, yeah. okay. So basically I have that, what we call PBMCs, peripheral blood mononuclear cells. I have, I should have said also that when I have, I take blood from people who have HIV, mm -hmm. I take blood also, or I used to take blood from people who didn't have HIV, who were the same sex, race and age as the patient. So what I was doing was looking at um, a group of patients versus a group of people who didn't have HIV. Okay. Um, so that I could compare their responses. So on the same day that I work with one patient, I'm working with their control, mm -hmm. who's a person that doesn't have HIV. All right, so what are you trying to do here? So basically, I just wanted to look at white blood cells in HIV patients and in people without HIV and compare their responses to different stimulants. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so do you have like one stimulant, two stimulants? Like what are we do? I worked primarily with three. So you want to see like how well the white blood, how much the white blood cells like stimulate. Respond. Respond. Yes. Yeah, cool. So like what are you seeing here? Because people with HIV, like they HIV stands for what? Human immunodeficiency virus. There you go. So their immune systems should are be uh, are, So they are immunodeficient. Mm. They are immunocompromised. Okay. So what does so that mean? So that means that their immune systems don't work at an optimal level. Okay. Yeah. Okay. However, I should add this caveat that nowadays with antiretroviral therapy, um, the life expectancy of someone living with HIV is comparable to someone without HIV. So it's really important to put that out there, especially mm. for destigmatization purposes. Okay, yeah. so you've got these white blood cells of people who have HIV and then mm -hmm. the people who don't. Yeah. And then you you put these things that should like stimulate the, the um, white blood cells. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in people with HIV compared to people who don't have it? Hyperactivation. Oh my God, what's that? <laughs> so that is just um, a significant increase in certain cell surface markers mm -hmm. in people with HIV compared to people without, mm -hmm. which means their cells are working super hard. Okay. Okay. Um, you would be tempted to think, you know, intuitively that this is a good thing. However, the issue with hyperactivation is it takes cells towards exhaustion. Oh, but cells can get tired. They can get tired, oh, yeah, my. because they're they're fighting for us all the time. Um, so you would consider uh, an unhealthy condition to be one that is not comparable to someone without a certain disease state. Does that make sense? I can explain quickly. So someone who has a significantly higher or a significantly lower response to another individual who is healthy can be considered to have an unhealthy condition. You've got yeah. 
the stimulants that you're putting on and then yeah. you see these stimulants are causing some kind of response in the ones with HIV compared to the ones that yeah. don't have it. Mm -hmm. What does this tell you? Like the data, what can you do with that? Okay, so um, looking at the data, hopefully in the future, <laughs> um, scientists and clinicians can find a way to improve um, the vaccine against strep for people that live with HIV. Okay. Because strep causes invasive pneumonia. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people with HIV that have passed away and with AIDS also that have passed away, it has been from pneumonia. So this is something that is has been a problem in the, in, in the past and still in the future. I'm sorry, still in the present, but um, I'm hoping that if I finally get to publishing these papers, that more research can be done. Okay, so apart from your genuinely amazing research, because like you're really downplaying it, like you work on HIV and trying to make sure people with HIV don't get infections, like that's that's... That's big shit. Okay. <laughs> Apart from that, like I see online you like you're a writer, mm -hmm. you do like so much and like I see a lot of tweets and stuff about like mental health, especially yeah. like black mental health. Yes. Um what's up with that? Okay, so basically, um I've had mental illness my whole life. People often ask, How do you know? I think you know. <laughs> um my manifest as anxiety. So I have a generalized anxiety disorder and OCD and OCD not in terms of external, but internal. Um, and a couple of years ago when I finally started seeing a counselor, you know, I always had this, until now I struggle with it, this wanting to be normal, even though everyone is like, oh, what, what does normal mean? Because of that, I kind of felt ashamed to go back. This was my first year, uh, my undergrad in Johannesburg. I felt ashamed to go back to my friends in Nigeria. Um, and I, I said to my counselor, like, everyone is normal and I, I don't feel normal. And then she said, but what is normal? How, how do you know what normal is? And I think speaking to her over years, um, kind of empowered me to say, well, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever feel normal. I don't care. Like my, my anxiety doesn't care that there is no normal, but for some reason I just don't feel normal. Mm. Um, and I'm having this pain that I'm dealing with and I'm having all of these phobias that keep evolving and terrifying me depending on what stage of the month I'm in. Mm. Um, really, my PMS does affect my mental health. Okay. Um, so because of all of this, I decided a couple of years ago that I need to start talking about it openly. Um, and that's what I've been doing. So I'm not trained, but I feel like speaking from my own experiences and being open about it could hopefully edify some people who are either going through the same situation or similar or caring for people who are, you know, um, so I try to use every platform available to me to speak on mental health and to speak about the fact that I've been on medication, you know, for for two years. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to come off medication. I really don't know, Alex. That's another conversation for another day. Speaking about... Just putting it out there. Yeah. Like, as someone who has been through counselling and everything. Yeah. I'm just saying... Yeah. 
maybe mm-hmm. medication is nonsense. It's all in your head and you need to go to church. I didn't hear it from, you know, <laughs> that isn't me. That's just everyone at yeah, every single everyone family says function. It. That says it. Listen, Alex, I spent years. Because, you know, they say church is therapy. That's why these white people, I, because they don't go to, <laughs> to good enough churches, apparently. You know, I spent years praying for a miracle cure. I really did. Mm. I tried it and it didn't work for me. And I got to understand something that religion, and and before people judge me for this, please wait to hear what I'm going to say. Religion is really shackles. And I think as a Christian, I have, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, no, but I really think that I, now I am trying to practice my faith as a lifestyle. Mm. Um, and I'm not trying to tie myself down to to that, you know, do things according to this and that and that. I mean, I don't, I really don't think that, well, we, we all know that we're imperfect, right? And I really don't think Speak that God is... <laughs> Okay, um, what, there's one imperfect person in this room. <laughs> yeah. And I don't see, you know, I don't see that, I cannot see how if we claim that our God is all loving, mm. that this same God doesn't want us to seek help for the issues that we have. Mm. Um, and I really, really encourage everyone who's following any kind of faith. There are experts out there for a reason, you know. Um, medication is made for a reason. Um, if you had a broken arm, you would go to an orthopedic surgeon, right? Um, why is it that an invisible illness is is not treated and mm. is instead stigmatized and surrounded in shame and taboo? And I feel like, um, hey, I don't even think that this is me trying to normalize anything or whatever. No, this is beyond that. Mm. It's about... See, those of us who go through this, we know the kind of pain that we deal with, you know. It's not just because we're here smiling and there's this pain that we all deal with. And you need to find a healthy way to cope. Because I've accepted that this is how I'm going to be probably till the day I die. You know, it's it, it's not a fun thing to think about, but I still find a way to try and make my um life of good quality. And part of that is pursuing mental hygiene, I thought you were about to say coming on this podcast, but yeah, okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. Fine. Yeah, so um, <laughs> yeah. I just bounced through it. Okay, cool, calm. So mental Thank hygiene, you, yeah, mental hygiene. So you know, um, my my catharsis is I do crying therapy for myself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just to get things out, um, just to I feel like crying actually eases some of my muscles. Um, I would like to start seeing a therapist again. As I said, I'm on medication. I talk about it a lot. I write about it a lot. I would like to do some studying. Um, I don't, I'm not even trained in mental health first aid, but I would like to do, you know, things like that so that I can find a way to make myself of more use to people who are are going through pain. I think especially black people. I, I There's this book that I have not yet got my hands on and I need to find it. It's called The Color of Madness. Yeah, I saw that. Yes, I believe that it was Samara Linton. Then there was a forward by um, Ghislaine Kinwani. Oh, I love Ghislaine. But um, my point is I need to get this book because I don't know how much, apart from blogs, you know, there was in terms of the experiences of people of color or black people together in one place. I hope that this book gets way, way, way more attention. Um, Like I said, I still need to read it myself. But my point is, I think because so many 
black people were coming from places that are really religious. Um, I can't speak for the black experience all around the world, but I know certainly in Nigeria, um, mental illness was not something that we were openly talking about many years ago. Now there are many people that are doing fantastic work. Um, mental, there's, there's a group called MANI, Mentally Aware Nigeria. Um, the founder is Dr. Victor Ugo. Um, I'm not sure what he specializes in, but he's a medical doctor. And he has, uh, it's basically a charity, him and other mental health care workers. Whenever they find someone on Twitter that says, I'm going to kill myself, they will literally try and track someone down. It's it's based in Nigeria, but track someone down to get to that person, you know, and they'll say, contact us. Um, and they will send someone pro bono or psychologist to speak to them. So there there are people on the ground doing this work in black communities. So this is just one that I know of in Nigeria. But um, I'm glad to see that this is happening. But I feel like, you know, there there's always space for more. This is just the beginning. I'm not going to be dramatic and say that it's a revolution or anything. But the truth is, it's it's just health. Our minds are part of our bodies. I must say, like for myself, I'm coming from a background with many privileges. Um, so middle class background and so many other privileges. But I think when we're talking about, and this is me not as an expert, but just picking up on things that I've seen around, um, when we're talking about mental health, I just, mental health will intersect with so many different things from classism to racism to homophobia to transphobia. There's so many things that people are dealing with in addition to the color of skin that they're in. Um, disability, you know, so ab ableism, so many isms, so many injustices. Uh, so I can only imagine what it's like to have this internal turmoil already and then have an added societal injustice that is placed onto your shoulders. So I think that there's space and not just there's space, there is need for everyone who is serious about mental health destigmatization and helping people with mental health issues. I think there's a need for all of us to get educated. And I say it to myself as well, so that um, I can be able to help someone who is at these different intersections, you know, that I that I am not at because we need to carry everyone along with us somehow. We just need to. So we've come to the end of the podcast. Tell me, Faraha, have you enjoyed yourself? I have enjoyed myself immensely, oh, Alex. Thank you so much for coming. It thank has been you. a wonderful experience. It's been great for me too. I know. I, <laughs> I've been Alex Lathbridge. This has been Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.